And uh, we're not going to be in Romans chapter 12 this morning. Uh, Of course, we have been preaching through that on our theme right behind me on the wall as far as uh, this is the victory, even our faith. We've been talking about the word victory, faith, overcoming. And, uh, of course, i got more messages. I'm going to be preaching out of Romans chapter 12. And I intended on preaching there, uh, but then God decided to interrupt what I thought I was going to preach. Amen? And, by the way, He's allowed to do that, right? And uh, He's God. And so, uh, but uh, based upon some of the things that's going on in our world, and uh, I had, uh, I want to bring a message to you that kind of uh, help us as Christians to have, have the proper mindset of things. And I actually, um, uh, the Lord uh, brought this message to mind, and I look back in my archives, because I try to archive when I preach certain things. And uh, uh, three years ago, almost to the day, uh, I preached this message in May of 2019. And uh, so uh, some of you have heard this before, but this is uh, very relevant to the day and age we're living in, and something the Lord would not leave me alone about this week. And as much as I wanted to preach out of Romans chapter 12, God wants me to preach out of this passage this morning. So Matthew chapter 24, and uh, I'm going to preach a message entitled this, As in the Days of Noah. As in the days of Noah. Matthew chapter 24. If you find your place, stand with me together as I read the, uh, the passage here. And we're going to begin reading in verse 32 down through verse 42. Matthew chapter 24 beginning in verse 32. Jesus, of course, is addressing His disciples. And this is known as what is the Olivet Discourse. This is uh, one of His last teachings uh, uh, before He's getting ready to go to the cross. Here's what He says, verse 32. Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When his branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, you know that summer is nigh. So likewise, ye, when ye shall see all these things, know that it is near even at the doors. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, know not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Here we go, verse 37. But as the days of Noah were so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered to the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Then shall two be in the field, the one shall be taken, the other left. The two women shall be grinding at the mill, the one shall be taken, the other left. Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. Let's pray. Lord, we love you this morning. And God, I pray that you would take this message, Lord, and I pray that you would help us as Christians to, Lord, have a spiritual mindset about what you're doing in this world we're living in. And Lord, not to be discouraged, but to be encouraged, Lord. Not to hide in fear, but to go forward in faith. And God, I pray that you'd work on us, challenge us, Lord. I pray that, uh, Lord, uh, all that the devil's trying to do would be disrupted. It would be undone. Lord, help us. Just as we sang this morning, Lord, onward, Christian soldiers, as a mighty army, Lord, going forth, proclaiming your gospel, reaching people for you, and being the church you'd have for us to be. Bless us, we pray. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Matthew chapter 24 is uh, what's known as a prophetic passage. In this passage, Jesus is answering some questions the disciples have asked him about the end of the world and his coming where he's going to set up his earthly kingdom. And uh, of course, I know this is something I talk about often, and I'm not going to just focus on that point. I'm going a certain uh, direction with this this morning, uh, but it's helpful to know the background. And uh, what we know here is what Jesus was telling his disciples, the fact 
fact that He was going to give them some clues, some things to look for that would be near the end of the age to when His return would be near. Verse 32 through 34, He gives them the sign of the budding fig tree. And almost all Bible scholars agree and believe that that, of course, is a reference to the nation of Israel. And, of course, Israel in the Bible is likened. It's a, it's a typology of a fig tree. And Jesus said that when you see the fig tree bud that you'll know summer is nigh. Of course, uh, uh, most people, uh, again, uh, Bible scholars believe, and I agree with this, that that, uh, that uh, prophecy came to pass in 1948 when the nation of Israel became a nation again. And uh, we're uh, uh, now passing several decades since that has happened. And so Jesus gave them the sign of the budding fig tree. In verse 36, He says this, But that, that day and an hour knoweth no man, know not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. He's telling us that, listen, Listen, you're not going to know the exact time, but you're going to know the time period, okay? And I just want to say this, folks. I am not a, uh, a date setter, okay? I don't set dates because the Bible tells me not to. But the Bible also does tell me that I am to look around and understand some things that are going on and know that, as the Bible tells us, that the time is near. Amen? The time is near. And then we see in verse 37 through 39, we see, and this is where we're going to be preaching out of this morning, the signs of the days of Noah. The signs of the days of Noah. Jesus uses that illustration there when He says, but as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. And so we must ask ourselves a question, what was going on in the days of Noah? What was it that was happening then that would be likened to what is happening now? And I want to show you seven things this morning that was going on in the days of Noah uh, that is likened to our day. And this is I want this to be a message uh, for a couple purposes. Number one, I want you as a Christian not to be anxious and worried about what's going on in the world around us. Now listen, if, if you feed on the media, you're going to be anxious and worried. Amen? If you take the uh, average mindset of the common person, then you're going to be anxious and worried. Now listen, I'm not saying not be aware. I'm not saying don't let it motivate you uh, to uh, uh, make sure that your life's in order and things are in proper uh, the way it needs to be. But I'm saying this, don't live in anxiety and fear over what we're seeing happen in our day and age. Now I'm going to tell you, if you're not careful, it's easy to do so. It's easy to do so. I'm not saying live with your head in the sand, but I'm just saying this. Listen to me. Life is less stressful, less complex when we get our worldview from the Bible. Amen? And yes, in case you've wondered this, you're in a Bible-preaching church, amen, that's going to tell you what the Bible has to say about what's going on around us. Listen, God tells us the things that we need to know, the things we need to be looking for, and the way we need to live our lives according to His Word. Listen, let the Bible be your guide as you see things happening around the world. Learn to interpret everything through the lens of Scripture. You say, preacher, that seems pretty old-fashioned. No, it's just uh, uh, it's Bible fashion, amen? That's exactly what it is. And that's the way we as Christians need to have the proper mindset. of. And listen to me. Yes, I understand things going on. Yes, I understand the Bible says we're living in perilous or dangerous times, but it doesn't have to rob your joy as a Christian. It doesn't have to rob your effectiveness as a Christian, amen? Listen to me. Now's the time for us as Christians to be the best we've ever been. Now's the time to shine for Jesus Christ. So how are we going to do that? We're going to know what the Bible has to say. So we're going to look at some things 
back in Genesis and see what God had to say. And then I want to give you some very practical things on how to live as Noah lived in the days that were unfolding before our very eyes. So take your Bible. Let's go back to Genesis. All right. Genesis. Genesis chapter five. Genesis chapter five. Well, I've I keep talking about it, but it's just about time for me to do it. Here's what my book of Genesis chapter uh, 5 and all that looks like. My Bible literally is falling apart, and it's about time to get a new preaching Bible. And And I bought this Bible right before we started the church back in 2015, and it's got a lot of use, and so uh, I'm probably going to retire it soon, all right? But uh, hopefully the, the chapter I need in Genesis is still there, because i got some loose pages in Genesis there. But Genesis chapter 5, and I want you to, uh, we're going to look at some things here, and uh, again, as we look at these things, I want you to think about what Jesus said when he said, as in the days of Noah, and ask yourself, is this happening in our day and age? Are these things happening? All right. Here we see the first thing. Look, if you will, at verse 16. All right. Uh, I said Genesis chapter 5. I meant Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4, verse 16. Notice what the Bible says. And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. And here's the first thing we see, folks, is this, a departure from God. A departure from God. Now, uh, Cain uh, didn't like the rules that God had set up. And uh, I've taught you this story before. I'm not going to go back and re-teach re, uh, it all. But if you back up, you'll find out, folks, that God required a particular kind of sacrifice. By the way, it's the same sacrifice. Uh, the, the what, what saved them back then is what saves us now. You know what it's called? The shedding of blood. Amen? And by the way, that shedding of blood before Christ came had to come through the form of animals without blemish. But guess what? When Jesus came, He was the perfect Lamb of God that was shed His blood on that cross. And by the way, that blood was enough to atone for all sins of all mankind ever. Amen? And so, no, we don't have to shed animal blood this morning uh, or, or today in our day and age. But let me just say this. We're saved by the blood. You better believe we are. Amen? By the way, we don't take the blood out of our songs around here. We don't not preach about the blood in the Bible around here. Listen, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. But Cain didn't like that rule. He, he, he tried to make a deal with God. By the way, let me just say this. We don't make deals with God. Okay, God set it up and said, this is the way it is, this is the way it's going to be. And listen, you can like it, you can lump it, it doesn't matter. You either come to God His way or you don't come at all. And Cain didn't like that, so Cain tried to bring his own sacrifice. Of course, God did not accept that sacrifice. So what did Cain do? He got mad. By the way, isn't that interesting? Okay, he was the one that sinned, but he took the anger out, blamed somebody else, and his anger led to murder. Okay, instead of taking responsibility for himself, he took it out on somebody else. And that's what he did. He murdered his brother. And of course, God came and addressed the problem. And the Bible says that when God came and dealt with Cain, instead of trying to get right, instead of being repentant, no, you know what he did? He left the presence of the Lord. Now, uh, obviously, nobody can lead the presence of God per se. But you know what? We can make choices to take ourselves out of the place where God wants for us to be. And we know that's what, exactly what Cain did. And folks, if there's ever a day and age where we see a departure from the holy God of the Bible, it's the day and age we're living in. 
I mean, listen, we have seen this. Some of you living here have seen this happen in our country. From the kicking out of the Bible and prayer in our public school system in 1963 to the removal of Ten Commandments from courthouse lawns all across the country, mankind has snubbed the nose, their nose at the God of heaven and told God to take a hike from the public setting. Coaches threatening to be fired for praying with players before football games. Students being made to turn their t-shirts inside out because of religious messages. Military personnel being court-martialed for having Bible verses displayed on their desk. America has looked up to God and told God that they don't want Him around anymore. And just as Cain went out from the presence of the Lord, people all over the land today are going out from the presence of God. And by the way, how's it working out, by the way? And we'll talk about this in just a minute. By no means am I making light of the fact of what's happening, the tragedies, the the horrors happening in our public school system. But folks, listen to me. What do we expect? We told God we didn't want Him there. And God, you know what? Hey, God's a gentleman. Okay? If If we say we don't want God, then God gracefully exits. But guess what? Along with that comes some things that our country's reaping the consequences for. And I'm not downplaying that. I mean that. My heart goes out to the tragedies that have happened in the last several weeks and, and especially this week in Texas. But folks, listen to me. When you say, God, you don't want Him around, guess what? His presence leaves. And you know what? We're seeing that happen today as in the days of Noah. What's the second thing we see going on in Noah's day? Look at verse 19 of Genesis chapter 4. Verse 19. And we have a uh, biography here of some people that were living in those days. And, and again, for sake of time, I'm not going to read every verse. But look at verse 19. It says this, And Lamech took unto him two wives. The name of the one was Ada, and the name of the other was Zillah. And here you know what you see, folks? Isn't this interesting? We're not that far, really, from creation when God set this thing up. And already, you know what you see? You see this, number two, a perversion of God's plan for marriage. A perversion of God's plan for marriage. Listen, folks, God was the originator and institutor of His divine institution called the home. God's what it set it up to be. Who is mankind to think that they can redefine something that God defined all the way back in creation? By the way, in case you were wondering, here's God's definition, Genesis chapter 2. And the rib which the Lord had taken from the man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. You know what you see? Men and women, period. Period. By the way, I don't care what society, what people try to change themselves, transform themselves into, you will never be anything except what God intended for you to be. Period. Period. Man and woman. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of the man. Therefore shall a man, here's God's plan, leave his father and his mother. Now, as much as a parent, that saddens me because I love my kids. It's God's plan, one of those these days, for them to leave. What do they do when they leave? And shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Now, listen to me, folks. God's plan what is outlined right there. A man and a woman united in holy matrimony, by the way, for life. Amen? For life. One man, one woman for life, till death do them part. So here's what this means, okay? Anything else besides that is a perversion of what God intended for mankind. Do we even need to spend time here to know that we're living in the days of Noah when it comes to what marriage is? 
Here's what this means, okay? Here, you ready for this, church? This is Bible, amen? Living together before marriage is sin. I bet there's not a preacher in the town that, in this town that'll get up and say that except this one right here. There might be. I hope there is. But let me say it again loud and clear. Living together before marriage is sin. Ready for this one? Homosexuality is sin. Polygamy is sin. Flippantly changing marriage partners like you change a pair of shoes is sin. Okay? Anything outside of God's plan, one man, one woman for life till death do them part, is a perversion of what God intended to be. I understand that happened. I understand that. Okay? And you know what? I've taught you this before. God is not against people who's been divorced. Alright? I'm not against people who's been divorced. But you, those of you that have been, understand what comes along with that, right? Uh, problems, does it not? Okay? And I understand there's bad circumstances, okay? And, uh, and I'm not, I'm not against you. God's not against you. But listen to me. We've got a lot of young people who need to be taught what God's plan is. Amen? And so listen to me. Our society is perverting God's plan for marriage. By the way, not a big surprise. That's what was going on in Noah's day. The perversion of God's plan for marriage. Number three, here's what else we see going on in Noah's day. Genesis chapter 4, look at verse 20 through 22. And it says this, And Adah, or Ada, bare Jabal, he was the father of such as dwell in tents, and of such as have cattle. His brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all such as handle the harp and organ. And Zillah, she also bare Tubalcain, an instructor of every artificer in brass and iron. And the sister of Tubalcain was Namah. Now listen to me. What do you see here mentioned in these three verses? Okay, here's what you see. First of all, you see commerce. In verse 20, the father of such as dwell in tents and such as has cattle. Number two, you see music or art. The father of such as handle harp and organ. Number three, you see education. An instructor of every artificer in brass and iron. And here's what we ask ourselves, okay? Is there anything wrong with these things in and of themselves? The answer, of course, is no. We all have jobs. We all do things for commerce. Most people love and are involved in music and things of that sort. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, we have uh, A lot of folks have gone to school, have college degrees, and want to learn as much as possible. There's nothing wrong with that. But here is what was going on that was wrong. It was a total focus on the temporal. A total focus on the temple. Listen to me, folks. The emphasis of the pre-flood world, as in the days of Noah, was this, all about themselves. All about what they wanted to do. What their plan was for their life. Listen, remember, they left the presence of the Lord, and they're now all about doing the things that please themselves instead of doing the things that please their Creator. Their focus was purely on the things of earth instead of being focused on the things of God. Now listen to me, church. One of the tricks of the devil that he succeeded in today's culture is getting people totally caught up in the temporal that they have no time for the eternal. I mean, come on. You try to invite people to church? Well, what does the most of them say? Well, we'd love to come, but, but we have to work. The kids have this game and that practice, this school function, that school function, this and that, going here, going there, and they're so caught up in the temporal that a generation is being raised that have no clue about who Adam and Eve was, no clue who Moses and the Ten Commandments were. They don't know about David and Goliath. They don't even know who Jesus was and why He even came to this earth. Because we're raising a generation that is totally caught up in the temporal. 
Now listen to me. Do we have to go to work, school, and be involved in other activities? Absolutely. Amen? Nothing wrong with those things. But listen to me. Where it becomes wrong, where it becomes a sin, where we're at in this generation, just like in Noah's generation, is when that's the main focus, the temporal things of this life. Let me just say this, alright? The world's going to be the world. Amen? But that should not be said of we as Christians. As Christians, yes, we have to do the things we do. But we must remember, we must stay focused on the eternal. Amen? We most must stay focused on the eternal. So in Noah's day, here's what we see. We see a departure from God. A perversion from God's plan of marriage. We see focus on the temporal. Number four, go to Genesis chapter 6. Here's what else you see. You see a crossing of God's line of separation. Crossing of God's line of separation. Genesis chapter 6. I understand this is a controversial passage, but I'm going to tell you what I believe the Bible is teaching us here through this passage. Notice what it says, verse 1 and 2. And it came to pass, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. And then we see down in verse 3 and 4, and the, and the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he is also his flesh, yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. So here we are, two thousand years from creation. And for the most part, you have two types of people that are now inhabiting the earth. You have the godly line that came from Adam and Eve through their third son named Seth. By the way, he replaced Abel because Cain murdered him. And then you have those who left the presence of the Lord and followed in the ways of Cain. For the past 2,000 years, for the most part, these, these sides have kept to themselves. Seth's descendants walking in the ways of the Lord, no doubt handed down to them directly from their first parents, Adam and Eve. Cain's descendants living their, their lives focusing on themselves and the things of this earth instead of living for God. But something happens in these days prior to the flood that has a great effect on God finally having enough of the foolishness of men. Here's what you see, verse 4. And again, I'm not even going to get into what, how some people interpret this passage, but I believe this is what the Bible's teaching. There were giants in the earth in those days. And also after that, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same were mighty men which were of old, men of renown. You say, what's the big deal? People have a right to marry who they want. Uh, you know, I mean, isn't, why, why did them marrying make God so mad? Well, here's the fact, folks, is this. You had the, the people who should have been separated from the world, walking after God, starting to intermingle and marry with those who had uh, who were Cain's race, who didn't know God. And let me tell you something, folks. You know what you find out all throughout the Scripture? That God has set up some distinct boundaries and He doesn't want them crossed. Alright? God has set up some distinct boundaries. By the way, He established those boundaries the first week of creation. Amen? Verse 3, you don't have to go very far into the book of Genesis and you'll find this. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light that it was good. Listen to this. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness He called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. Hey, one of the very first things God made, uh, He spoke into existence was light. And one of the first things He did when He made light was divide light from darkness. Divide light from darkness. And this idea, folks, and we're seeing this, my goodness are we not seeing this happen in our generation. You are seeing a convergence of what used to be considered worldliness and what uh, uh, should be considered holiness. And you see this trying to be married together. And by the way, people are crossing God's line of separation. The Bible is very clear on this. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 
Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion hath light with darkness? What concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part of he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you and be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughter saith the Lord Almighty. You know what he's saying? Hey, Christian, there ought to be a difference between you and the world. That's what he's saying. Amen. People ought to know, be able to look at you and know something's different about them. Amen. And you don't have to wear a, a sign around your neck that says you're a Christian for people to all be able to see that. And let me tell you, that line today is being blurred. Nowadays, it seems like, and so many people do things in the name of Christianity, and I'll be honest with you folks, uh, that just have nothing to do with Christ-likeness. Okay, here's the biggest one, alright? Again, if this makes you mad, I love you anyway, alright? But listen, I didn't come here to please you this morning, I come here to please God. So I'm going to preach it, amen? Okay, listen to me, let me tell you one of the biggest lies this is being sold into is this idea called Christian rock music or better known as contemporary Christian music. Now listen to me for a minute. What if I said to you, hey, you know what? i got some Christian beer. Would you like to drink it with me? I've got some, uh, you know, Christian cigarettes. Would you like to smoke them with me? I've got some, you know, Christian drugs. Would you like to do them with me? You'd look at me like I was a moron. You're like, what are you talking about? Those things don't go together. Exactly! Why are we trying to marry stuff of the world and put it together with things of holiness? Listen, it doesn't fly with God. Amen. It doesn't fly with God. Amen? And I'm going to tell you right now, that, that lie is being propagated. And just because it says it's Christian doesn't mean it's Christ-like. Amen? I'm going to tell you, these lines of separation are totally being crossed. And by the way, it ticked God off enough. He said, enough is enough. I'm destroying everything except one family. I wonder what God looks at when He sees modern Christianity today. I'll tell you what he, what he thinks. He thinks what He thought about the church later. See, it makes Him want to puke. Amen? Alright? Now, I'm not saying every Christian's like that. Praise God, not every Christian is. But I'm just saying, we need to have the proper mindset, know what's going on, and what's about to lead to what's about to come. Amen? So number one, as in the days of Noah, departure from God. Number two, perversion from God's definition of marriage. Number three, focus on the temporal. Number four, crossing God's line of separation. Number five, wickedness. Wickedness. Notice what it says in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5 and 6. And God saw that, the here it is, the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thought of his heart was only evil continually, and it repented the Lord that He had made man on the earth and it grieved Him at His heart. Man, what a sad couple of verses there. The fact that God literally, He changed His mind. It's so when He repented, he, he, he started rethinking the fact, why did I even make man? Because they're so wicked. By the way, it grieved Him at His heart. You know what it means to be grieved in your heart? It literally makes you sick on the inside. There's been things in your life where you've made you sick on the inside, and literally all the God's creation of mankind was making him sick on the inside. In fact, the Bible tells us, describes this wickedness to us in the next several verses. It says that it was great, which means it was abundant, plenteousness, exceedingly full. It was all-consuming. That meant every imagination of the thought of the heart was only evil. Did you hear that? Every imagination. 
You ever been around people before and sometimes maybe you unfortunately have to work around them and everything they talk about is wicked and perverse? Everything is wicked and perverse. And you know what this wickedness did? It grieved God at His heart. Now again, I'm not going to give you illustrations of how wicked the people are on this earth. I can't even in good conscience talk about it because there's, we're in the presence of children. By the way, I don't need to because you're living in this wicked culture too. By the way, I say it, I'm going to keep saying it. Just the one sin of abortion alone, just that sin, folks, is so amazingly wicked to me. Now again, I'm not downplaying this. I grieve. I grieve for those 19 kids that were killed this week. By the way, if that was your kid, you, I mean, you would be grieving too. Amen. I think we ought to grieve. Well, let me ask you this. What's the difference between those children and the ones that were seven or eight years younger? And not only do we not grieve, we champion for the right to murder our children in the safest place they ought to be in their mother's womb. Safest place. I'm going to tell you, you see how warped this culture is? How warped we are? How wicked we are? By the way, folks, on and on we could go. I'm going to tell you, this earth we're living in is in the same condition in the days of Noah. It's filled with great, all-consuming, grieving God at His heart. Wickedness. Wickedness. What else do we see here? We see verses 11-13. through 13. We see violence and corruption. The Bible says the earth was also corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted His ways upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Again, everywhere we look, folks, you know what you see? You see violence is prevalent. I did some research. And since January 1st of this year, Okay, these are just the easy stats I found within about 10 minutes of research. I'm sure there's more, okay? In the last almost five months since we've been living in 2022, here's what you find. There's been 27 school shootings. 27. And in those 27 school shootings, there's been 27 killed, 36 injured. Buffalo, New York grocery store a couple weeks ago, 10 people killed, 3 wounded. Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 17 people were hurt when two groups started firing each other uh, uh, outside of a, uh, an arena where a basketball game was being played. A gunman set off smoke canisters and wounded 10 people in an attack on New York subway. One person was killed and five others were injured in a shooting at a meeting of churchgoers in Southern California. By the way, if you really want to get a little blown away by these stats, start researching in the last 20 years how many church shootings there were compared to school shootings. You know, there's been more church shootings than school shootings, but that doesn't fit the, 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 the media's narrative, so they don't talk about that. By the way, that's why we have a trained security team around here. Okay? We don't apologize for it. Okay? If, if that makes you uncomfortable, then you're just going to have to be uncomfortable because I'm more concerned about the safety of our people. Amen? And I'm going to tell you, folks, yes, this world hates Christians. Okay? They're, they're literally going into churches shooting up Christians. Okay, and, and we're, we're try, we try to be prepared for scenarios like that around here. Okay, by the way, this is going out live on Facebook, so anyone that watches this, I want them to know, this is not a gun-free zone. Not. As in, that means people have guns here. And that means we know how to use them. We're trained to use them. We have armed security at the door. Yes, we do. Unapologetically, amen? Okay, and I hope that don't make you nervous. Okay, we do take training. We, we, we're not, I promise we're not trying to run around like Rambo. 
Okay? Well, some of us might be, okay? But most of us aren't. All right? But listen to me, folks. That's the day and age we're living in. Okay? Violence. You know, just in Chicago alone, since the beginning of 2022, 226 people were killed? Just in the last five months. Okay? Just in one city. Why are you not hearing about that? Because it doesn't fit their narrative. Okay? Why all the violence? By the way, let me just stop and say this real quick. Okay? If you think a gun is the problem, okay, then you are drinking the liberal Kool-Aid. Okay? Listen, a gun is an inanimate object. That means a gun can do nothing unless it's in the hands of somebody. By the way, not law-abiding citizens doing this stuff. And you know what stops the evil? Law-abiding citizens with a firearm trained to deal with it. Okay? And so I'm going to tell you right now, there's certain things we're dying for. Our right to keep and bear arms is on the list. Because we give up our guns, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. We're going to follow suit of all these liberal European countries right now that are starving their people and taking them to, yes, consecration camps because they won't get the jab. Preacher, you're getting political. No, I'm just being real. Amen? Okay? And I believe in the freedom of choice to choose. And if you want to do that, you're an American. Amen? I respect your choice. But guess what? Respect my choice. Amen? There's certain things that are worth dying for. And our right, listen, our forefathers put it there for a reason. Amen? We need to, again, start know our history. Understand how this country, look, we just sang it. My country tis of thee. Why can we sing that? Why did I put what I put in the bulletin this morning? The fact that there are, uh, I forget the number, 600 and some acres of reasons why we have freedom. People were willing to live and die and we're just going to surrender them because the liberals say we should? What is wrong with us? Amen. Listen, come on, get your head out of the stinking sand, figure out what's going on. If you haven't already, and I think you probably have if you're attending church here, grow a backbone and stand for something. Amen? Amen? But violence, that's what we're living in, folks. We're living in violence. By the way, why all the violence? Well, when we're teaching our kids that they're nothing more than a product of an evolved animal, why should it surprise us they're acting like animals? Why should that surprise us? Why should it surprise us that people can shoot somebody without even blinking an eye when they do it for hours on end playing a video game where they shoot and kill without any type of consequence? And we are living in a generation, folks, you think all that's by accident? Listen, people are being programmed to do this stuff. No, that's conspiracy. No, that's not conspiracy. That's reality. Okay, so number one, a departure from God. Number two, perversion from God's definition of marriage. Number three, a focus on the temporal. Number four, crossing God's line of separation. Number five, wickedness. Number six, violence and corruption. And then, last of all, and let's go back to Matthew chapter 24. Here's to me why I know we're living in the days of Noah. All those other things, absolutely, yes. But here's the number one reason of what Jesus said back in verse 38 and 39 of Matthew chapter 24. Because people are living life with no thought of coming judgment. Notice, why would Jesus say what He said? Okay? Listen, Jesus didn't say things just for filler, okay? There's no filler in the Bible. God put everything in there for a reason, for a purpose. Notice what He says here, okay? Maybe you've thought to yourself, what was He talking about? For as in the days of Noah that were before the flood, they were, notice this, eating, drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage. Now, does that mean they were sinning by doing those things? No. Guess what? We're going to eat today. Amen? Aren't you glad for that? Praise God. We're going to really eat good tonight after the service. Okay? We're going to eat today. I've already drank some today. 
All right. I mean, I had my, uh, uh, my my bottle of water this morning. I made sure the grape juice wasn't fermented grape juice and drank some of that this morning. Amen. All right. Making sure it was good. No, I, I've ate. I've drank. You know what? Yesterday or Friday, we were part of someone given in marriage. Right? Marriages are something that is supposed to happen. It's part of it. So he's not talking about these things were sin. Here's what it is. Verse 9. And knew not until the flood came and took them all away. Remember this, folks. Before the flood, it wasn't just Noah building an ark. You know what he was doing? Why he was building the ark? Preaching. Preaching of coming judgment. As he was banging and as he was doing what he was doing, overseeing the project, hiring contractors probably to help him. You know what else he was doing? Preaching. Hey, the reason this ark's here because judgment's coming. The reason that you need to uh, uh, pay attention because God's going to flood the earth. You know what everybody did? They ignored him and kept on living life as normal. They just ate, they drank, they married. Just living life as normal with no thought of coming judgment. Let me tell you right now, we are living in a day and age where people are just doing their thing with no thought of coming judgment. By the way, God's trying to wake people up. He's trying to wake them up. What do you think all these natural disasters are about? God trying to get people's attention. Yes, even through the tragedies that are happening. You know what God's trying to do? Get people's attention. And as bad as these things are, it's not even a drop in a bucket compared to what's about to happen. Warning people. Warning people. Trying to let them know. For years, especially since 1948, when Israel became a nation, preachers have been preaching and warning about the soon coming judgment that will come upon this world known as the Great Tribulation Period. Yet it seems everywhere you look, people are doing the same thing they've always done. They're just living life, doing their thing. All those crazy preachers, those crazy Christians, they just belong to a cult. They're not enlightened. They don't have the you know uh, new mind of understanding. And all those stupid things they say, just living life with no thought of coming judgment. And I'm going to tell you something, folks. That's what's going on right now. In fact, you know what a lot of people are doing today? Okay, Labor Day weekend, they're at the lake. They're recreation, on vacation. They have no idea that we're on the premises of coming judgment. And they don't even care. They don't even think about it. It doesn't mean anything to them. By the way, it didn't mean anything to Noah's day either until God shut the door and He opened up the windows of heaven and the great fountains of the deep were broken up. By the way, they started caring then. But guess what? Too late! The warning signs were flashing, but they didn't pay attention. Yesterday we were coming back from Carmine helping Brother Dice over at the church plant. And uh, uh, my truck, is, uh, it's got on it the, uh, you know, how many miles to E. Well, we stopped and ate lunch. We're heading back, to, uh, heading back to Princeton. And it said like 12 miles to E. And the guys are like, uh, are we going to make it back to, you know, down at the intersection of 64 and 41? I'm like, yeah, we're going to make it. I start looking at the mile markers. I start watching my numbers drop. I'm like, uh, we got five miles to go to the exit, and my thing says four and a half miles. <laughs> By the time we got to the exit, guess what? It said nothing. I mean, I literally was down to, there was no numbers to go that low. It was saying, you are a moron for waiting this long to get gas. <laughs> Praise the Lord, we made it. Okay? I looked it up. I made Caleb look it up in my book. My tank is a 36-gallon tank in my truck. I put 36 and three-fourths gallons in my truck. <laughs> Let's just say I, I ignored the warning sign and almost paid the price. Okay? Now let me tell you what God's doing through everything. It's, it's the idiot light coming on. Hey, 
flashing empty, flashing empty, flashing empty. Judgment's about to come. Judgment's about to come. Ju- and people are just, ah, big deal. Doesn't matter to me. Just doing my thing. Let me tell you something, folks. We're living in that day. Just as in the days of Noah. Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, And this know that if the goodman of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not have suffered his house to be broken through. Be ye therefore ready also, for the Son of Man cometh at an hour when ye think not. Now listen to me. I expect the world to have that mentality, but I don't expect it in the church of Jesus Christ. Okay? Here's what Jesus, or here's what uh, 1 Thessalonians Paul said to the church of Thessalonica. Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 4. But ye brethren, ye brethren, that means this. Hey, there's something different about you. Ye brethren are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. Listen to me, folks. You should not be surprised when it happens. You know why? Because you're looking, you're watching, you're waiting, you got your spiritual senses about you, you understand what's going on because you interpret things through the Bible and it, it matters to you, and you live every day, make every decision with the thought that, you know what, this could be the day. Are you even thinking that way? Are you even, does that thought ever cross your mind when you get out of bed and live through your day? Alright, what's all that have to do with me? Number one, make sure you're saved. Make sure you're saved. Listen to me, folks. I say it. I'm always going to say it. I'll say it till I run out of breath. Listen to me. You must be born again. Amen? I know who I'm preaching to this morning. I'm preaching to the regular churchgoers here at White River Baptist Church. I preach salvation all the time. God help me if I didn't. Amen? But listen to me. Make sure you've been truly born again. Born again has nothing to do with getting in that water right there. I'm all for it. It's the next step of obedience, but that water cannot save you. Okay? Joining this church cannot save you. Doing anything good cannot save you. The only thing that can save you is what the Bible says is the gospel. What is the gospel? It's the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's you putting your faith and trust in Christ and Him alone to save you from your sin. Are you born again? Alright? You better make sure. Amen? Number two, once you are born again, do everything we can to tell others about it. Amen? Listen, we're part of what Noah did. We're Team Noah. We're, we're supposed to be, as we're building, as we're busy, we're supposed to be getting a message out about coming judgment. Amen? Every Christian can be involved in that. Every single Christian. Look for the opportunities. Amen? Every single day they're around you, look for them. The number three, live a life so that you won't be ashamed when judgment finally comes. And for us, it's not judgment. You know what it is? It's deliverance. Amen? By the way, think about this for a minute, okay? Enoch. Okay, I didn't talk about Enoch this morning. Enoch is a picture of the church. Okay? Noah going to the ark is actually a picture of the Jewish people. Because Enoch had to be raptured out, just like God took him, just like it's a picture of the rapture, before the flood could come. Okay? And Noah and his family are a picture of the Jewish people getting in the ark, going through tribulation, which they will in the tribulation period, okay? Rising above the tribulation. But listen, before the flood could come, the rapture had to happen. Enoch had to go. Amen? I'm not saying we may not face some things. All I'm saying is this. Amen? That's why it's called a blessed hope. So church, listen to me. Know what's going on. Okay? Don't freak out about it. Be prepared. Be aware. Be vigilant. But listen, you be calm so then you can help other people figure out why there's a reason to be calm. Why would anybody want what you have and you're walking around like them saying the things they're saying? Oh, the sky's falling. The sky's falling. I can't believe everything that's going on in our world. Why would they want anything you had if that was your answer just like it's their answer? Amen? 
Listen, God told us what's going to happen. He outlines it for us. It's happening in our day and age. Now listen to me. Be prepared. Be ready. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we love You this morning. We thank You for these truths.